everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Hi, and welcome to the Rise Up View podcast. I'm your host, Leanne DeSanto, and I'm honored to be with you today and super excited to be streaming live to Rise Up For You Facebook page. And as always, our podcast can be found on all the major platforms. So don't forget to subscribe and like our Facebook page so you know when I'm going live and you can join in on the conversation. Now, as always, this podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. So if you haven't grabbed your free Becoming Your Best Self Startup Kit yet, you can do that in a couple ways. You can go to our website, riseupforyou.com and grab it there. Or you can text Rise Podcast. That's all one word, Rise Podcast to 797979, and you'll be supported both personally and professionally. Now, today's guest is Chris Putnam Walkerly. Now, Chris is a trusted advisor to the world's leading philanthropists. For over 20 years, ultra high net worth donors, foundations, Fortune 500 companies, celebrity activists, and wealth advisors have sought her advice to transform their giving and catapult their impact. As a philanthropy advisor, speaker, and award-winning author, she's helped hundreds strategically allocate over half a billion dollars in grants and gifts. Chris has been named one of America's top 20 philanthropy speakers for the past three years. She is the author of Delusional Altruism, why philanthropists fail to achieve change and what they can do to transform giving and the author of confident giving sage advice for funders so please welcome chris to the podcast hey Chris. how are you lance great to see you great to see you too i'm so excited to have you here and learn uh, this is um a new subject for me as well so i'm super excited to learn more about what you do awesome i'm excited to tell you all about it <laughs> Cool, cool. All right, go ahead and share. Yeah, so I'm a global philanthropy advisor. So mm -hmm. I advise philanthropists of all kinds and sizes. So that means people like ultra high net worth, individuals and wealthy families, leaders of grant making foundations like a family foundation or community foundation, as well as leaders of uh, corporate, uh, excuse me, Fortune 500 companies that have corporate giving programs. And I'm really trying to help them to have the greatest impact they can have with their charitable giving. Nice. So how, tell us how we even go about that. Because, you know, I think a lot of us just feel like people give to charities and that's awesome. And, you know, maybe they, they channel their funds toward one particular cause, or maybe they disperse it across many causes, but what mm -hmm. is it that you um, really advise them on? Right. Well, of course, you know, every person and every philanthropist is different. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's important first to recognize that really we're all, most of us are all philanthropists, meaning, you know, it sounds highfalutin. You know, you think mm -hmm. that refers to billionaires. And of course it does also, but mm -hmm. it really refers to anyone who, um, you know, actively promotes human welfare, people who give of their, you know, financial resources, but also their time or their talent or expertise. And, you know, a lot of us volunteer or serve on boards of directors or give in many ways, whether you're, you know, quite frankly, giving away $1,000 or $100,000, it's still important to think about, you know, a couple questions, really. Uh, one is, you know, 
what? Like, what do I want to accomplish as a funder, as a donor? What are the issues that I care about or that my family cares about? What kind of impact do I want to have in my community or on the world or my neighborhood? Um, and then, you know, once you kind of get clarity on what that is, because, you know, there's thousands of worthy causes and literally millions of nonprofit organizations around the world to support, you know, getting clarity first on what's important to you and meaningful to you. And then figure, I help my clients figure out, you know, given whatever that it, that is, ending homelessness or early childhood education or uh, access to healthcare, you know, whatever, then how do you want to go about doing that with the resources that you have? Um, what are the best organizations to support, strategies, um, ways to, to have an impact or even potentially to leverage your resources with that of other donors to create an even greater impact? Right, right. So that's so that sounds like that's really the first step for um, for the for what you the work you do and for the donors, like asking those really important questions and going a little bit deeper to to make sure that they are going to have the impact that they want to have in the world. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it seems like philanthropy is easy, but it's more challenging than you realize. Um, and in the book that I wrote, uh, Delusional Altruism, uh, what I write about is how donors are genuinely wanting to make a difference and have a positive impact on the world, but are often getting in their own way and preventing themselves from having that impact. And, um, you know, that happens in a variety of ways, one of which is, um, you know, feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, donors and all of us, you know, felt overwhelmed two years ago before the global pandemic that we're all living through right now. But, you know, a lot of donors can feel overwhelmed by um, the sheer magnitude of, you know, problems in the world. I was talking to a donor recently about the problem of child trafficking and human trafficking, which is a huge global problem. And she wants to make a difference, but was literally feeling overwhelmed with sadness, you know, about... Uh, the problem. And if you're so overwhelmed that you can't make a difference on something, then that's holding you back. Um, um, or just feeling overwhelmed by choices. You might care about a lot of different issues in your community and it's hard to pick one or narrow it down or know how to support the right organizations. And, you know, honestly, I mean, I work with some of the world's largest foundations and at, at a different level or a different scale, it's really the same challenges. Mm. You might have a lot of clarity that you want to address substance abuse. I'm just making that up. Yeah. But even within that, there's a lot of different ways you could tackle that. You know, you, do you want to address the problem of there's a negative stigma attached to substance abuse and mental health, and that prevents people from getting treatment? Do you want to focus on prevention and prevent helping people never become addicted to drugs or improving treatment, or you could tackle the issue of, you know, lack of adequate health insurance coverage in this country for substance abuse. You know, there's lots of different ways you can tackle a problem that are all important, right? And so it's, you know, helping people kind of unpack both, you know, what's most, what are they most passionate about and getting excited about with also what are the greatest needs and all, and then also, you know, what are the right practices and models that are being proven to be effective that they can, you know, rally behind. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I love that you said that, you know, getting in our own way, right. Because I think all of us can do that in a lot of arenas of our life. Right. It's like, you know, what holds us back. Uh, and, and that's interesting 
because, you know, I never really thought about that, that, yeah, it can feel so overwhelming, some of these problems, and there's so many different ways to attack it and ways to, uh, and different nonprofits you can be involved with. And so definitely it can be um, a much bigger, uh, like, decision, you know, decision to make. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is. And I also advise my clients, you know, when you're feeling kind of that overwhelmed, just to start somewhere, you know, pick mm -hmm. a topic, an issue, domestic violence, you know, cardiac, you know, heart disease, whatever. And, you know, learn take some time to learn about the issue, learn what nonprofits are doing really good work in that area, uh, kind of arm yourself with information. And really, you know, one of the um, pieces of advice I give is to embrace what I call more of an abundance mindset as opposed to a scarcity mindset and a mindset of abundance for a donor, I think in many ways meaning means to invest in themselves, meaning like investing in their own learning and their own taking the time to develop relationships with nonprofit leaders that they, if there's a nonprofit that they support really kind of delving into that organization and finding out what they need and how you can help them. Um, but you know, like that, that self-investment I think is really important, uh, for donors. And I don't mean investing in your own yacht, you know, <laughs> or investing in your, you know, like staying at the four seasons and in, in Maui for your board retreat, which right. is fine if you want to do that. But sure, sure. I really mean like just invest, investing in learning, um, investing in your own expertise or getting, you know, people to help you coaches or advisors to help you with your giving. Mm. Do you recommend that um, some of these, you know, high net worth donors start their own nonprofits or are they really like, how does that work? Yeah, well, um, another challenge, delusional uh, behavior that I see <laughs> among many funders, as well as, quite frankly, all of us is focusing on tactics before strategy mm. or kind of thinking about the how before the what. So again, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's important first to think about what are you trying to accomplish with your giving? What kind of change do you want to see? And only then can you possibly figure out how best to do that. You know, you need to know what you're trying to do before you know how to do it. Mm. But too often, I think um, donors jump into the how. Uh, and, you know, quite frankly, often this is this comes through conversations they're having with their wealth advisors uh, and so by that, just to give an example, it might be a you know wealthy family that says to their wealth advisor, you know, we want to be more philanthropic. We recently sold a business or inherited wealth, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I want to start a foundation. And the wealth advisor says, great, we'll get the paperwork going. You know, it's just kind of like this transaction, mm -hmm. this, this kind of focus on the how, the how of getting through a foundation. Well, the reality is when you create a private foundation as a family, you're creating a nonprofit organization, a 501c3 that needs might need staff. You have to handle the taxes. There's a lot of paperwork. Mm -hmm. You know, are you really wanting to manage an organization or are you just trying to give money away effectively? Mm -hmm. You know, so there's different strategies. And in fact, you know, um, Mackenzie Scott, who is the ex-wife of uh, Jeff Bezos mm -hmm. from Amazon, uh, is giving away billions and billions of dollars this past year. Wow. She's the richest woman in the country, I believe. Um, and she's doing it without any kind of foundation. She has advisors helping her, but she's identifying organizations and then, you know, giving them basically surprise, you know, gifts, large gifts. 
uh, just through, you know, kind of the checkbook or maybe it's an online transfer. I'm not quite sure, but, uh, you know, there's a lot you can do without starting a foundation. You can also create a donor advised fund, which is a, another kind of vehicle to use, a giving vehicle to use, sort of like a charitable checking account. Um, so there's lots of ways to give. Again, I try to help my clients think about what are you trying to accomplish first? Mm, I love that. And I love you know, those questions like what's your why and then what's the what and then the how, because you're right. Sometimes we get so tied up uh, again in every area of our life, right? Especially as entrepreneurs or someone starting a business um, or even, you know, ahead of a business, right? It's like get so stuck in the how and, and the tactics, but not mm -hmm. looking at the overall picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other challenge that I think donors and quite frankly, all of us are having or have had this past year is feeling so overwhelmed by the constantly changing conditions, the apparently never ending series of crises that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it can feel very daunting because the future, you know, is uncertain. Um, and I know a lot of my clients who, you know, need to be creating their strategies or refreshing their strategies, but are have been kind of deer in the headlights because they feel overwhelmed. Like what's the point of creating a plan because everything's gonna change, right? Right. And then, but the problem is then they're just stuck. You know, they're sort of sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. And what I advise really is that, again, changing your mindset um, and recognizing that, you know, yeah, the future is unknown, but it's really no, uh, no more unknown today than it was last year or last decade or last century. Um, that, you know, uncertainty is, is ever present. And so rather than allowing this notion of a unknown future to paralyze you, mm -hmm. to really let it free you, let that be your kind of mindset shift, because you can't possibly prepare for every scenario, right? So stop trying. <laughs> and yeah. the future is always unknown, that disruption is the status quo, volatility is the status quo, and really kind of lean into that and I, you know, advise clients to create their, you know, grant making strategy, their philanthropic, you know, giving strategy, their strategic plan by thinking about, you know, creating a plan quickly based on the information you currently have available and then begin using it immediately for as long as conditions warrant, you know, as long as it makes sense mm -hmm. and then change it rapidly as conditions change and just assume that conditions are going to keep changing right and so so plan for it like literally you now create your strategy for the year but build in every quarter every two months every month whatever makes sense for you to check in on your plan on your strategy to say you know what's changed externally in the world or in our community or in our organization has a key person left unexpectedly you know things are always changing What's changed that would cause us to maybe shift our strategy so that you're always being agile, your strategy or your plan is always kind of sentient and living and breathing. Mm. Uh, that really allow, allows you to keep moving, you know, to, to continue in a forward motion so that you're always guided by a decision-making framework that's based on the current reality with the confidence that you can change things along the way. Yeah, I love that. The fluidity of it and not being too attached to it at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Take a long time, you know, if you're like a, we invest all this time and we have this big strategy and this long-term, you know, goal and, and, and vision, but then you're right. What happens if, and we know this year was if, right? <laughs> <Lots of it. laughs> 
Exactly. And you know, so if your viewers and listeners are interested, I have a, a guide that I just created about this exact thing. And it outlines eight things you can do. It's actually called eight things every philanthropist can do to change the world, even when the world keeps changing. Ooh. And it's a super quick guide that will help you, you know, plan these different eight steps. And you can go to eightthings.org to download. It's a free download. Um, so that's available to anyone listening or watching. Eightthings.org. I like that. Mm -hmm. Great. Because it is, it's important, you know, again, in anything you know, that people um, know they're not alone. Right? I mean, everyone's going through lots of changes and, uh, mm -hmm. And it's, 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 again, getting to the, the mindset side and the, um, uh, you know, being fluid, having a, a, a great strategy and plan, but also allowing it to breathe, allowing, okay, well, if this doesn't quite work, you know, how do we shimmy? How do we go here? And having that built into it. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, if these crises of, the, of 2020 have shown us anything, it's the futility of, you know, taking a year to create your five-year plan, right? Because by the time you've done that, and that happens a lot in philanthropy, you know, I have a lot of, there's a lot of foundations that spend a year literally doing strategic planning. And, you know, and then quite frankly, when it's done, then they spend months beautifully writing this document and graphically designing it and getting board approval. It's literally 18 months before the thing is implemented and it's out of date. It's been out of date like 12 months. Right. Um, and it's it's silly. It's unnecessary. And quite frankly, it's it's wasting a lot of resources and time and money. Um, and in the meantime, you're not guided by a strategy. You know what I mean? Like you're guided by last year's strategy. Mm -hmm. What people need, especially as we're all working remotely, is you need clarity on, you know, where are we headed? What's most important? What are our top priorities? Who's responsible and accountable for what? And let's make sure this is working and like course correct along the way. Mm, nice, nice. Have you seen that your donors have pulled back a little with everything going on? Or I've, I've kind of heard a couple different things. Some are donating even more and some, you know, some may be pulling back or shifting, you know, where the money's going. Have, what have you seen? In yeah, it's really been a mix. I mean, there's absolutely been a lot of donors that have dramatically increased their giving. Um, and, you know, and, and giving in lots of different ways. So many have joined what are called uh, rapid response funds. So in, gosh, well over 800 communities in the U.S. and then even more around the world, uh, foundations, companies, individual donors have come together to create kind of pooled funds where anyone can contribute to this fund. But then there's a few, you know, maybe five, 10 funders that are kind of managing it. And identifying, you know, what are all the needs in our community in response to COVID or um, the, you know, racial reckoning that has happened, especially in the past summer and continues uh, to support racial justice issues. Mm -hmm. um, you know, figuring out what are all the needs and then making sure that resources are deployed adequately across different issues. Uh, and then it provides the nonprofits kind of a one-stop shop for applying for funding for COVID response and whatnot. And then as an efficient way to deploy those resources. So a lot of people have donated to those rapid response funds. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's been a huge growth in donor advised fund funding through Fidelity Charitable and Schwab Charitable and all the others. Um, and a lot of funders have also gotten money out the door more quickly. So instead of having lengthy application processes and extensive review procedures, they've said, hey, 
we trust you. <laughs> you need the money. You're doing important work, food bank or homeless shelter or whatever it is. You know, we're going to give you this grant. You do whatever you think is best. Uh, and then we'll check in with you later when this is all over, you know, making it much easier. So there's less reporting, less of the kind of cumbersome uh, bureaucratic policies and procedures and hoops that a lot of donors expect nonprofits to jump through, freeing up those resources. So they can really do what they need to do and pivot along the way. Um, but at the same time, you know, there have been a lot of donors that have taken more of a, a wait and see mode mm -hmm. and approach and are, you know, kind of in hiding. I think a lot of donors, you know, felt overwhelmed at the beginning of the pandemic and fearful and so held back. And many of them literally were saying to themselves, well, we'll just wait and see, you know, for six months when this is all over, right, right. <laughs> what happens? And, you know, meanwhile, it's not over. And so that's a problem. So I think it's really important for donors to identify ways that they can, you know, give, especially now, and perhaps even increase their giving from their annual, you know, whatever they typically contribute each year. Yeah, yeah, this is the year, right? <laughs> this is the year to do that for sure. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that too, it's, 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 um, you know, so beautiful that, that people are still, again, like you said, the scarcity mentality versus the abundant mentality, right? And, and just knowing that money circulation and it's important to, to keep giving if you can and to, you know, and, and I think any amount of giving, I know you work with, you know, the, the really, really up there high end, but you know, if you have a hundred dollars to give $500 to give, it's, it's, it's giving, it's contribution, it's circulation. I mean, I think it's all energy anyway. So I, you know, I think it's, it's true for, for anyone, you know, to, to mm -hmm. find that, but they find their why, what do they want to impact? And even if it's on a, a super small level, it's, it's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also it's, what's proved to be really important is really investing in nonprofit capacity and talent. So a scarcity mindset for a donor is to believe that, well, I only I want to give to organizations where, you know, 99 cents of every dollar goes to like help the people it's helping and only one cent goes to the administration or overhead. Mm -hmm. And while that might seem prudent, I think it's actually delusional because, you know, if you really believe in a cause and there's a nonprofit that, you know, is doing great work, well, wouldn't you want them to have top talent, a great, you know, financial management system, a strong strategy, the ability to evaluate their effectiveness and make improvements, the ability to, you know, a great board of directors to help guide them and steward mm -hmm. them. Like, of course you want all of that, right? Sure. But all that actually costs money, you know, just like running a business, you invest in your own talent, mm -hmm. you invest in research and development. Well, a nonprofit also needs to invest in their own. I mean, we've certainly seen like technology, for example. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a lot for, a, you know, think of some of the arts organizations that have had to kind of, you know, they had their gala planned in person and they had to pivot and figure out how to turn that virtual. Well, that just doesn't come out of nowhere. You know, you have you need help to figure that out. Right. Then that costs resources. And yeah. but I think if you recognize that the more you put into the nonprofit, the more you invest in in their success, the greater impact they're going to have in the long run. And too often, I think as donors, we kind of expect nonprofits to kind of hamper, you know, just limp along with yeah, yeah, staff and, you know, like mm -hmm. hamstrung, you know, all volunteer. Right. Why? You know, if they're meeting an important need uh, in the community, then you want them to be as strong as they can be. No, I love that you brought that up because as we were talking, I was thinking, you know, 
in the past years, some have gotten into some hot water when salaries of CEOs were released and <laughs> people are like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm giving to this. And what, like, what are these people making at the top? You know? So again, it's, it's that balance, right? Not to be abused, but yet to be able to run it like a business so it can be efficient and, and do what it's meant to do. Well, right. And if you think about it, I mean, right, it can be taken to an extreme like anything, but I think don't worry about those outliers, you know, focus on the majority of the nonprofit organizations where people are mission based, you know, committed, you know, doing it, putting their whole selves into, into these issues and organizations. And, you know, honestly, I mean, if you have a well-paid CEO who's able to quadruple the amount of funds raised for the organization mm -hmm. and therefore grow and accomplish more, would you rather pay that, you know, pay that person that great big salary? but they're accomplishing so much more and creating such a better impact or pay a lower salary, get a lower, less qualified person who can't accomplish as much. You know what I mean? And so if you think about it that way, it's, to me, it seems like a no brainer. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to invest in top talent so that you can have top impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think that that's, that's great. So um, let's move on to our power questions. Oh, sure. All of our guests. Um, so what is one book that's had a massive impact on you? Yeah, I'd say professionally, a book uh, is Million Dollar Consulting by Alan Weiss, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, he's he is a mentor of mine and he is a very prolific author and uh, writes and teaches and trains a lot about consulting practice. And so that was a book that really helped me rethink my approach to consulting. Mm, beautiful. How about a quote that you live by? <laughs> yeah. Uh, put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. <laughs> love it. Love the airline attendance. But truly, you know, like we have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of other people. And I think that's applicable in any aspect of our life, personally and professionally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you could leave uh, the world with one final message, your golden nugget, what would it be? You have less time than you think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, do it now, right? Just do exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, some version of, you know, seize the day and whatnot. But, you know, like there's no time like the present. We have to really, if it's investing in ourselves or making a decision or following our passion, you know, at the end of our lifetimes, I'm sure we're going to wish we had more time, right? Yeah. So why not, when, while we have the time, why not invest in ourselves and, and um, you know, do the things that are truly important and meaningful to us? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how can we find and support you? Oh, thank you. Well, certainly uh, you can buy my book, Delusional Altruism, and it's available on Amazon. And then the website for the book is delusionalaltruism.com. Uh, you certainly can download that free guide that I mentioned, which is uh, at eightthings.org. It's eight things every philanthropist can do to change the world, even when the world keeps changing. Mm -hmm. I think you'll find that useful, um, your audience. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, both of those links uh, link to my website. So you can certainly find me there on my social media sites, uh, my email and contact information. Beautiful, beautiful. Awesome. Okay. So as you know, we are Rise Up For You. When you hear that phrase, what does it mean to you? No, I think it means truly living your best life. And, you know, this might sound um, strange, but I think, you know, the only person who really cares about you is you because everyone else has some agenda, you know, some need, if it's your child or your spouse or even you know, your parent, 
the people who love you the most, I think we have to recognize that, you know, we need to love ourselves the most and we need to, you know, really be there and take care of ourselves and truly rise up to be our best selves that we can be in whatever that means. Yeah. Beautiful. That's what we're all about. So <laughs> love that. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time today, your wisdom learned a lot. And I know it really served our audience. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, there you have it. Chris Putnam Walkerly. Isn't she great and doing such amazing work in the world. And I just loved, uh, the, the questions, you know, your why, your what, your how. I think in anything in life, we, we focus so much on the how and we get bogged down in that without really understanding what are we doing? What's our why? What, what is inspiring us, right? So um, I just love uh, that that she shared and I love that it can really translate into any area of your life as well. So um, as always, we are here to, to you know, stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. So please grab your free Becoming Your Best Self Startup Kit at our website, riseupforyou.com, or text RISE Podcast to 797979 because we want to support you both personally and professionally always. Bye for now.